Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Jim is on vacation. Super glad you are with us today on the Three Martini Lunch. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review, co-founder of Ricochet, co-host of the Glop podcast. Man of many talents uh, joins us today and Monday, as a matter of fact. So, Rob, good to have you back. Good to be back. I mean, I guess Jim just is on vacation permanently. Does he do any work at all, or is it just mostly just I'm out, I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'll see you guys later? <laughs> I think he just gets to the point sometimes where he's had enough and he's he's got to clear out of town. So, uh, <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, we all feel that way sometimes. Yes, especially these days. So we should also let you know, and we're happy to let you know, we're sponsored today by NetSuite by Oracle. You'll want to head to netsuite.com slash martini. Uh, to learn much more about this fantastic service, and uh, they'll also send you a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. Much more on that in just a moment. Uh, Rob, we've been kind of twisting in the wind here about how to label all of these martinis. We're pretty sure the second (laughs) one's bad and the last one's crazy, but this first one could be good, could be crazy. Anyway, Jeff Sessions back in the game. Jim and I talked about this a little bit earlier. Earlier, I don't know if it was this month or late last month, where the rumors were starting to percolate that Jeff Sessions might want his old Senate seat back. He does, in fact, want his old Senate seat back. He's going to uh, join the already crowded Republican field uh, for 2020. Doug Jones is by far the most endangered Senate Democrat, so you just hope there's not too many Republicans in the field where Roy Moore can somehow squeak his way to the nomination again, but since... There would be a runoff if nobody gets to 50%, which in a five- or six-man field probably won't happen. you got to think uh, that won't happen, but uh, will it be Jeff Sessions? Will it be Coach Tommy Tuberville? Will it be somebody else in this primary? We will find out. But one of the interesting things here, of course, is that Donald Trump hates Jeff Sessions, mainly for recusing himself in the, in the Russia investigation. And it's been made pretty clear through back channels that the White House didn't want Jeff Sessions to do this. So what's Jeff Sessions' first act as a once-again Senate candidate? To suck up to Donald Trump. Here's what his uh, ad said. Jeff Sessions here, I approve this ad. When I left President Trump's cabinet, did I write a tell-all book? No. Did I go on CNN and attack the president? Nope. Have I said a crossword about our president? Not one time. And I'll tell you why. First, that would be dishonorable. I was there to serve his agenda, not mine. Second, the president's doing a great job for America and Alabama, and he has my strong support. He's doing a great job, especially getting rid of that first attorney general. That, that guy was a total, total <laughs> loser. So, uh, Rob, uh, what do you make of the, the machinations here? I mean, this is supposed to be an easy Republican pickup, but this has got more drama than Peyton Place now. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's got drama. I, I, I mean, we try to figure out what kind of martini this is, uh, good or bad or crazy. I think it's a smart martini. You know, Jeff Sessions is a smart guy. He would not, from what I understand, and this could be rumor, but he was approached by a lot of Alabama Republicans to run. He has secured early uh, support from them. He uh, can run as a pro-Trump Republican. He can run and collect the votes of Republicans in Alabama who do not like Trump. He can run and collect the the, the growing number of, of sort of moderates in Alabama. Remember, Alabama, we have this image of Alabama as a backwards state. In many ways, I, it kind of is. But in many ways, it's actually I mean, it's an incredible healthcare business. There's a lot of money and there's a lot of business in Alabama. And there are a lot of people in Alabama who are un- who are conservative but uncomfortable with Trump. And Jeff Sessions kind of fits that bill. He, there's not a box that he doesn't check. 
I'm not saying he's going to win. Um, you know, whenever you're running against a football coach in Alabama, you have to, you, know, <laughs> you have to worry. But it's a very, very smart move for him, and it's a very, very smart move for him to rise above whatever insults he gets from Trump. But remember, when was the last time you heard Donald Trump say a bad word about anybody who said a good word about him? Never. <laughs> Oh, that could go on a bumper sticker. I would just say one more thing about it. But it is it is very rare. In fact, probably maybe the first time in American politics that a candidate has cut a campaign ad with only one viewer in mind. <laughs> There's only one person who has to see that ad, and that's Donald Trump. That was a uh, a, a very broad based love letter to one guy for one guy to to, to see. It was like the, when they when they when you hire a, a skywriter to write, "Will you marry me?" Um, it's really just an audience of one, but a lot of people are going to see it. It's a good way to put it, Rob. Very good way to put it. So Jeff Sessions has been thinking about this for a long time. He's crunched the numbers and decided that there is a pathway for him to this uh, nomination, even though he's north of 70 years old now. But uh, Jeff Sessions knows his numbers. And if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem that growing businesses have and that often keeps them from knowing their numbers is their hodgepodge of business systems. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on and so on. And it all ends up just being a big, inefficient mess, which takes up too much time and takes up too many resources. And in the end, that hurts the bottom line. So we are very happy to have NetSuite by Oracle as a sponsor of this podcast. NetSuite by Oracle is the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform giving you the visibility and control you need to grow your business. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from your desktop or phone. And that is why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And a couple other things that uh, a lot of folks might not know. Thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies use NetSuite to manage their business And so now that same technology, that same assistance is available to you and your business. You'll learn how to optimize processes, drive operational excellence, and sell across more channels and much, much more. In addition to all that, right now NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash martini. That's NetSuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash martini to download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits. Once again, netsuite.com slash martini. All right, Rob, uh, we're now less than a year away from the election, and we just had an election in a couple of states <laughs> earlier this week, and the Democrats are feeling pretty good right now. They think they've got big momentum on their side, and whenever that's the case, they kind of let down the veil a little bit to tell you exactly what they're going to do once they take power, if they take power. In Virginia, where I live, sadly, they're going to take power because they won back both chambers of the state legislature. They've got a Democratic governor and gun control, gun control, gun control is what uh, they have on the agenda. According to The Washington Post, uh, Governor Ralph Northam, who you might remember from his uh, yearbook uh, scandal. Oh, and and also (laughs) suggesting that maybe babies who survive botched abortions ought to be just left alone to die. During a cabinet meeting on Wednesday, Northam, quote, mentioned universal background checks, banning the sale of semi-automatic firearms and high-capacity magazines, restoring the law that limits purchases to one gun in a month, and a red flag law that would empower a court to temporarily remove a gun from a person deemed to be a risk to himself or others. When asked about confiscating guns from law-abiding citizens, Northam responded, that's something I'm working on with our Secretary of Public Safety. 
adding that he will also work with anti-gun activists on the issue. So I'm sure that will go well. Um, And Rob, uh, when it comes to immigration, Bernie Sanders trying to tack further and further left here because Elizabeth Warren is kind of crowding his lane a little bit at the moment. Uh, This is his immigration platform. Uh, He would uh, call for a complete overhaul of DHS and a major rollback of immigration enforcement. Uh, He also wants to dismantle ICE and the Customs and Border Protection and place a complete ban on deportations. He also pledges to accept 50,000 quote-unquote climate migrants during the first year of his administration, give sweeping amnesty to illegal aliens who have committed low-level crimes, and provide a pathway to citizenship for at least 11 million illegal aliens. The number is probably quite a bit higher than that. So, uh, uh, Rob, the first thing that comes to my mind here is the old phrase on social media and elsewhere that all the Democrats have to do is not be crazy and they can't do it. What do you make of uh, the Virginia Democrats putting the pedal to the metal before they're even sworn in with the majority in the legislature and Bernie Sanders essentially saying border schmorter? Yeah, it's quite, it's sort of like that 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 play, uh, movie, the the producers. You know, they they <laughs> they are absolutely dead set on you know producing a flop. Of course, the producers it turns out to be an unexpected hit, but I'm I'm not sure this is going to happen here. Uh, it, what's strange, of course, about Bernie is that Bernie was uh, for a long time outspoken, uh, probably one of the most uh, hawkish immigration voices on on the left. Um, and he's sort of seen, I guess, he's seen the numbers and realized that he can't run like that anymore. That those voters aren't. Democratic primary voters anymore. It's funny because it's it's the uh, it, it really is a litmus test of the person speaking and the, and the voter who's talking. There are a whole lot of voters who are turning to the Democrats now and saying, just give me a reason to vote for you or don't give me the usual reasons I use to not vote for you. Put it that way. Probably better. And so you, the, the Rorschach test here is that you have a lot of moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats looking at the Democratic Party and saying, just let me tell you the words you need to say. You know, it is in many ways, it's like a romance. It's like, I'm going to write you a script. And when you say these words, I'm going to fall in love with you. And they seem to be unable to do it. And what's so strange to me is that, you know, look, we're all entitled to our own politics and our own opinions, but we, you know, we, we're not entitled to our own mass. And if you're looking at the states that are necessary for the Democrats to win back, there is nothing in this pla- in this platform. There is nothing in the Democratic Party uh, talking points today that is 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 making any inroads in those states. And if I were sitting there at the DNC, right, I was sitting there in Bernie Sanders' office, I'd be or Elizabeth Warren's office, such if such a thing exists, I'd be trying to say, okay, how do we connect with those people? Um, they're the ones who are experiencing right now an actually good economic times. I mean, you may hate Donald Trump, but you can't hate 3.2% unemployment. Um, and so how do we speak to them about changing the guy at the top without uh, demanding that they become uh, open border, uh, free health care, free uh, college education revolutionaries? And they say, you know, this is what the Democratic Party is the Democratic Party. It's large and powerful and rich precisely because they've been able to make that argument and they're unable to make it today. It's just nuts. You mentioned that uh, folks are, are hoping to, to find someone in the Democratic field that speaks to them. And there's someone now who's joining the Democratic field that figures out that the current crop of Democratic presidential candidates are not speaking to the people that the Democrats need to win. <laughs> so, Rob, when it comes to taking out an eccentric New York billionaire, you got to run an eccentric New York billionaire. So Mike Bloomberg, after deciding earlier this year that he is not going to run, has essentially decided that Joe Biden is a lot weaker than he originally thought. There's a lane there. 
apparently he thinks of himself as a moderate, to uh, basically elbow Joe Biden out of the way. He doesn't think uh, that Sanders and Warren are electable candidates in a general election. He's going to self-finance this thing. He's worth $52 billion. Uh, He's not even going to solicit donations, which makes it a little awkward, I guess, to qualify for debates because you got to have a certain number of individual donors. So we'll see if they make an exception for that. Uh, Oddly enough, he's in Alabama, or at least his people are in Alabama, filing papers to run there because they have an early filing deadline. And uh, apparently... He's all in here. So uh, we've already had one former New York City mayor flame out. Um, Elitist East Coast people uh, don't generally do that great in these things, although Trump did by going populist. But uh, what do you make of uh, Bloomberg and this buzz that he's getting that he's somehow going to totally change the game? Well, you know, he's really, really rich. So it's amazing when you're really, really rich, you kind of don't look at the world as a collection of things that you can't do. Um, you, you, you just you know, Bloomberg has been living in a world in which mostly there are things that he can do. And he was a very successful mayor. He ran a very, very tight, good city. Uh, he has got a, a good record to run on. He's uh, emphatically liked and respected through all, all sorts of people. He is an unembarrassed person and he is a, a decent guy. And he's a phenomenally, phenomenally rich and running for president would be essentially sofa change for him. You know, it's not, you know, he could run for president between now and day he dies and he would still be rich the delusional part of his run really is on the democratic party side that that's what i find so curious what about mike bloomberg makes any democrat think he's a democrat i mean if mike bloomberg just a thought experiment ran in the democratic primary it started in democratic primary um he'd be somewhere down there around cory booker maybe marianne williamson michael bloomberg i mean and i say that with great respect he his two signature Issues, really, if you put aside the big gulps and smoking in New York City, were one, stop, question and frisk, which was a law and order measure designed to allow police to stop and question suspicious people and frisk them. The idea there was that Bloomberg was solving a serious budgetary problem after the financial crisis. New York City tax receipts went way, way, way down. And so he couldn't afford to police the way Giuliani police, which is in a richer city. You get to like pay a cops to work overtime. So he gave them tools to sort of police more uh, aggressively. And the people who, uh, who were in favor of that cheered it. And people who were against it called it racist and racial profile. He was also very, very tough on the teachers unions. He's no hero to the teachers union. So now you have a purported Democrat running for the Democratic Party nomination who is a, a, a law and order racial profiler. And also uh, has riled up and been a foe of the teachers unions. What part of that sounds like a successful Democratic Party politician? None of it. (laughs) And it's another litmus test. The people, the Democrats who are cheering him and the people who are cheering him, those people are living in a fantasy land. He could be a credible independent, but um, a credible Democrat. I mean, he's, you know, what he needs is a time machine. He's, he's, he's running a, as a Democrat in 1963. Well, let me ask you this. Here's the counter argument that I can see uh, building up, because the two issues that he's taken on as an outside advocate in the last few years have been gun control and climate change, which are obviously two big ones for the Democrats. And with all his efforts to beef up local candidates and state legislature candidates in all these different places, has he perhaps uh, built up some some goodwill in these communities where he wouldn't normally do well, but uh, because he's helped to fund these uh, liberal candidates in, in the past, he might have a little bit of traction? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but, you know, everybody's done that. That's the game that everybody plays. And uh, political currency is a different kind of thing. So 
you know, he's going to be running against people who've been out on the hustings. It's not impossible, but it's hard for a non-machine politician to beat a machine politician. It's not an easy thing to do in the parties. Um, the last person to do it was also one, really, in many ways, the first person to do it, and that was Donald Trump. Michael Bloomberg is 77 years old, so he fits right in with the uh, <laughs> yeah. the Biden and Sanders. The, uh, the youth vote. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so last word on this, Rob, how does Bloomberg ultimately fare? Right now, I suspect um, he will uh, qualify for, the, uh, for being on the ballot in a bunch of states and ultimately not run. Ultimately not run. Really? That's fascinating. It's cheap to file. It's expensive to run. Well, that's the case. We'll find out. We've already got one billionaire in the race. And like we said, we have already had a couple of New Yorkers crash and burn in this thing. So, Rob, we'll find out. And uh, I'm sure we'll have more craziness to talk about come Monday. Have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Rob Long, contributing editor at National Review Online. He's the co-founder of Ricochet and co-host of the Glop podcast, found at Ricochet, as you might guess. Jim Garrity, of course, on vacation. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Don't forget to visit our great sponsor, NetSuite by Oracle, netsuite.com slash martini. And hey, if you don't already subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch, please do so. And also leave us a great review over at iTunes. It helps us out a lot. So have a great weekend, and we will be back on Veterans Day for the next Three Martini Lunch.